0: Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 43 and Psalm chapter 44. Our scripture reading, of course, today is Psalm chapter 41 through 45. Once again, that's Psalm chapter 41 through 45. I hope that you're making it along in this journey through the book of Psalms as we're going to be going through the book of Psalms in the month of June. I had to stop and think what month it was, Uh, but It it has been something that I've really been enjoying just going through the book of Psalms. I always think that the book of Psalms really goes and it takes your mind and it focuses it back on Christ. It puts your mind... Back where it is supposed to be. And I, I really enjoy seeing that, and of course, really enjoy getting back into that right focus. Not that that should ever be a time when your focus shouldn't be on Christ, but there are times when you just need to get refocused back on God and who He is. And today we're going to see that quite a bit while we read Psalm chapter 43 and Psalm chapter 44. And it says this. Starting in chapter 43. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against the ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For you are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then, I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. We see here, uh, in, in this psalm, once again, that idea of the holy hill. This has really kind of become a theme. This first section of the the book of Psalms is is God's holy hill. Whether it was in Psalm chapter fifteen, um, I believe it was also in Psalm chapter twenty four, or uh, right around there, as as we we read that, but it was definitely in Psalm chapter fifteen. As we went, we looked at that of going up to God's holy hill and we see once again this idea of God's holy hill and he says he 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 goes and he says oh send out your light and your truth let them lead me well what is the light and the truth well we we know that the light and the truth there are two things in scripture that are both called light and truth and one is the word of god Uh, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And of course, we we know that Jesus said, sanctify them by uh, truth, your word is truth. And of course, we also know that Jesus is called the light of the world, and he's then also called, or he goes and he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We also know in John 1 that, uh, Jesus is the Word. He's the Word made flesh. And we also, of course, know that that Jesus, He goes and He says uh, to the Pharisees, you know, you search the Scriptures because you, in them you think that you're going to find eternal life, but these testify of Me, is what He goes and He says. So th- there's a few things that we can draw from this before we go and read Psalm chapter 44, And these things that we can draw from this is that it is God's Word and Jesus Christ that always bring us light and truth. Those two things always bring us light and truth, and the Word of God and Jesus Christ never contradict one another. The Bible is never going to contradict the mind of Christ. You know, so many people want to go and they want to put on the mind of Christ. They want to go and and act spiritual in their life, and then they go and they say that God is calling them to do something outside of the bible something something against the bible but god's word is always in accordance with god's will these two things do not contradict but we see here that when uh when when Jesus Christ enters into your life and when you let the word of god enter into your life what are they going to do when you let those two lead you. And of course, they're leading in the same direction. Jesus often leads you through his word, and he's never going to lead you against his word. But but what happens with that? Well, they're going to lead you into God's holy hill and into his tabernacle. We see here it's going to lead you into fellowship with God. And then it goes and it says in verse 4, then I will go to the altar of God to God my exceeding joy and on the harp I will praise you O God my God and we see here that there are three kinds of worship that are given the 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 last one we'll, we'll go backwards it starts off with or it ends off with praise Right? That's one way that you can go and worship God. You can go and praise the Lord. Go and talk about what God has done in your life, about who God is. Adoration, praise, thanksgiving. These three things all go hand in hand. But then it also was going in and talking about in, uh, and on the harp, on the harp. This is the idea of going and learning a skill, right? I, I, I'm i not going to be able to sit down anyway and just be able to play the harp. If I were to go and play the harp, I'd have to practice, 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 and I'd still be terrible at it because music's just really not my thing. But we, we, we look at this concept here. Another way that you can go and worship God is not just with your praise, whether it's adoration, talking about how great God is, thanksgiving, thanking God for what he has done, or or praising, lifting his name up so that others can see it, we we go and and we can also worship God by becoming proficient, by getting excellent in a skill, and offering it, using it for God. And then, of course, before that, though, it said, then I will go to the altar of God, and that is a sacrifice, You know, another way to worship God is to give something up so that you can walk inside of God's will so that you can follow God's leading in your life. There are times when God calls you to give something up. Now, these things that he, he calls you to give up, they might seem like they're good. They might seem like they're opportunities. Uh, they, they might just be neutral and something that you enjoy, but the reality of it is, is that when you give something up with the mindset, with the right attitude, with the right heart behind it, to God so that you can follow Him better, so that you can know Him more, He receives that sacrifice as worship, as something that you put something on the altar. I'm reminded of that old hymn, Is Your All on the Altar of Sacrifice Laid? Your Heart Does the Spirit Control? Those are convicting questions. Is your all on the altar? What is it that you need to put on the altar today? But let's get into Psalm chapter 44. Psalm chapter 44, and it says this in Psalm chapter 44, "'We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us, the deeds you did in their days. In the days of old you drove out the nations with your hand, but them you planted.'" you afflicted the peoples and cast them out, for they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arms save them, but it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance, because you favored them. You are my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob." And I just want to stop here for just a moment, because I want you to understand what's going on, what the psalmist is talking about here. He's going and saying, look, we've heard the stories of our fathers and what you did, God. And he goes and and he talks about how Israel came and possessed the land, but they didn't possess it with their own sword. It was God who drove the people out. It was God who went and opened up the position so that people could go, so that the children of Israel could go and take the promised land. You know, when God promises you something, when he has something that he wants to give you, if you follow in obedience, he is going to drive your enemies out from before you. That doesn't mean that you don't go out to the battlefield. That doesn't mean that you don't have a part, but it means that he is the one who is ultimately doing the work. He is the one who is securing the victory, or as this passage of Scripture says, he is commanding the victory in your favor. But it is only when you activate that blessing through obedience to God. But let's keep reading, picking up in verse 5. Through you, we will push down our enemies. Through your name, we will trample those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me. But you have saved us from our enemies and have put to shame those who hated us. In God, we boast all day long and praise your name forever, Selah. You know, it. It's one of those slogans um, or mottos, I should say, that America has is, in God we trust. Now, many people try to get rid of that, in God we trust. And of course, I think that's a great motto, in God we trust. But I will say, sometimes I think our motto, at least of our life, should be, in God we boast. In God we boast all day and all night, and we praise his name forever. What does that mean when you're boasting in God? It means you're telling others about who God is, What he has done in the past, what he's promised he's going to do in the future, and what he's currently doing in your life right now. If you stop and you think about this, this is a real convicting question. When was the last time you told somebody about what God was doing? When was the last time? You need to constantly be talking about what God is doing in your life, what he's done in your life, what he's promised he will do, because it should be your motto that in God, we boast all day long. In God, we boast. In God, we boast. I hope that is the heart cry of your life. But picking up once again in verse 9, it says this, But you have cast us off and put us to shame, and you do not go out with our armies. You make us turn back from the enemy, and those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. You have given us up like sheep intended for food and have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people next to nothing and are not enriched by selling them. You make us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and derision to all those around us. You make us a byword among the nations, a shaking of the head among the peoples. My dishonor is continually before me and the shame of my face has covered me because the voice of him who reproaches and reviles because of the enemy and the avenger and all that has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you. Nor have we dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. But you have severely broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God, oh, or stretched out our hands to a foreign God, would not God search this out? For he knows the secret of the heart, yet for your sake— We are killed all day long. We are accounted as a sheep for the slaughter. Awake, why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise, do not cast us off forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul has bowed down in the dust, our body clings to the ground. Arise for our help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. Now, this is where, of course, the chapter takes a significant turn. And in this turn, we really get to see that the inner heart of the psalmist and, and really the inner struggle that he's going through, and the reality of it is, is that in your life— there's going to be struggles, just like there is struggles in my life and in the psalmist's life. And so many times I think we look at the people in Scripture and we think, you know, because we see their great victories. But, little, but rarely do we stop and see those times where they're struggling, when they're in the period where they're waiting for God to come through. And, you know, so many times God shows up in the last time hour, the hour that you just don't expect him, where you think everything is done, it is done and over with, it, it's all lost. And that's often when God decides to show up and show off and say, I just was testing you. I wanted to make sure that you were trusting me. You know, think back to Abraham. When God told Abraham, I want you to go and to sacrifice your son, Isaac, you know, he didn't stop Abraham and provide a, a, a sacrificial ram uh, or lamb there um, just, you, you, you know, uh, while he got to the place of the offering. No, it wasn't even that. It wasn't even when Isaac laid down on the altar. It wasn't even when Abraham went and tied up Isaac but it was when Abraham's hand was stretched forth and ready to come down on Isaac that God said, whoa, 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 I've got a sacrifice for you. And so many times God shows up at the last hour and we get to see the heart of the psalmist, but he does point out a few things and a few things that I think are very important. One, he goes and he says, um, we have not forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a foreign God. He also goes and he talks about how they, they have not broken the covenant or gone backwards. Their heart hasn't turned around and gone the other way. Um, these are things that are incredibly important to know. And to understand. He also goes and he says, nor have we dealt falsely with the covenant. That's that. That's so important that you go and you understand these concepts. It, God comes through for them. But the important thing to realize is, is that this is the right attitude to go and to have, or, or maybe not the right attitude, but the right things to have, of going and continuing to worship God, not turning towards an idol, not turning your heart away from God and not dealing false with the covenant or breaking the covenant that you have with God. So sometimes God is just testing that covenant. He's just going and allowing you to be uh, attacked and to have difficulties in your life, not because he wants to see you to be attacked and have difficulties in your life, but because he wants to test your faith. He wants to test your faith. But the important thing to see with this psalm is where it started. Because at the end of this, we see how this person is feeling. But yet, even in the midst of that, we truly see who they are, the psalmist, in the first half of this psalm. Where they go and they say, remember what our fathers have told us. Remember what God has done. You know, when you're waiting for God to show up, one of the important things to do is to remember the victories of God in the past so that you can be assured of the victories of God in the present and so that you can claim the victories of God in the future. Well, thank you for listening today, and remember, Joshua 1, 8, 9 sweet apart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you, wherever you go. And, we pray it's all we can do. and while we trust in Jesus, sometimes He leads us, waiting for His hand to move. But even in darkness, we hold to the promise, there's nothing we can't overcome, so that Something, a miracle's coming, rejoice.